apologies um, for the somewhat lacking quality on this audio. Um, but enjoy, and hopefully we'll be back, uh, you know, with with all the, with the whole crew soon. Everybody, welcome to another exciting edition of Hitting the High Notes Utah Jazz Talk. Uh, I am here joined by Sloan's Categorical Imperative, our stand-in host, uh, because Hutran um, is still in mourning. Uh, he's still in very much a lot of pain uh, from that jazz loss. And in uh, the venerable Logan, uh, Logan Cox, Dragon Squatch, uh, he, uh, he's also on a sabbatical I, I, for unknown reasons. You know, it could be anything with Logan, honestly. Um, I hope that enhancement surgery goes well, Logan. Anyways, uh, so we're going to start with uh, with some draft talk a little bit. You know, it's, it was a painful end to the season for all of us, uh, you know, honestly. Um, sometimes we think we're numb and we're not as numb as we think we are, you know, because it really just uh, – that loss was pretty painful, wouldn't you say, Sloan? Yeah, yeah, they, they find new ways to hurt you. I We were saying earlier before we started recording that – I think that's probably the second worst jazz playoff loss in history. And it's, you know, nothing will compare to that blowout loss in 98 um, where they're just, they, they didn't show up at all. But um, in some ways that hurts less because you just, from the beginning of that game to the end, I mean, I was just a kid, but you knew what was happening there. The game six, like, Mike Conley finally came back. He didn't look like himself, but he was finally playing in the series, and the Jazz kind of looked like themselves in the first half, and they had a 20-point lead and a 25-point lead in, in the third quarter, and then it just crumbled to ash. And, uh, yeah, it hurts. That was the the whiplash and the, oh, we're going to Game 7. Like, it was all but guaranteed looking at that first half, and then it just a uh, monumental collapse, and I, I think safe to say the second-worst playoff loss in Jazz history. Yeah, it was, it was painful. It was painful. Um, and I, I think that that is probably a, a decent assessment. We had a, a great talk, which I thought was honestly really good for me in terms of, you know, venting my feelings and stuff like that as, as kind of a group. And uh, we'll probably do that again if, if the Jazz ever suffer uh, a defeat that painful in the playoffs. <laughs> if if you, we ever have that um, kind of trauma again, they yeah. find another way to hurt us. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I... At the end of the day, I'm still on the side that the Jazz could have won that series, would have won that series if they were healthy. And the way that it happened sucks, but this team was built on the back of three All-Stars, and we had one and a half of them. So I, I'm not going to let it hurt me too bad. I'm looking forward to next season. Hopefully Mike comes back, and we'll see if we can you know, not pass on the sure thing in the draft not be like, hey, look, this guy Bane, who everybody loves, actually Norman falls Fry. to you. Let's draft yeah. a big and then use our full MLE on a big. And uh, anyhow, I'm still angry about the last draft. I was I blew a gasket when we passed on Desmond Bain. And I think that with recent reporting, we've seen that a few people in the Jazz front office probably lost their tempers a little bit when they were uh, over, yeah. overruled on yeah. who to draft. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of agree with that based on the reporting and the stuff that's come out with the that joint story. A great story by Andy Larson 
and uh, Eric uh, Walden uh, of the yep. Salt Lake Tribune. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff there. Um, if you guys if you guys haven't had a chance to read that, we highly recommend it because it's just fant- a fantastic uh, fantastic work. Well, and just um, if you have noticed, I changed my name in in response to the the trauma. After that loss, I'm not Sloan's categorical imperative. I'm Sloan's Chicago Days imperative. And I, I just tweet about the 1960s, 1970s Chicago Bulls. I, I'm not a jazz oh, fan cool. anymore on Twitter. I've just gone to the ch- oh. Jerry Sloan with the Chicago Bulls. I've got a treat for you then. Uh, I, uh, I was over at a Sabres, and I made a purchase not long ago. I got a, I got a Derrick Rose jersey on the cheap. And I was like, <laughs> oh, easy. I could just say, oh, he's a jazz legend. You know, this is okay. And it's one <laughs> the Chicago Bulls Derrick Rose jersey for eight bucks. And I was like, and then that way I can hide the fact that I'm a jazz fan. Hide my yeah. Oh. I, I I don't know about anything about the Bulls post Jerry Sloan. Hopefully someday they'll win a championship. Those Chicago Bulls. Don't know if it'll ever get better than the Jerry Sloan days though. Ah, yeah, that's, uh, honestly, I don't know. Um, those, those Jerry Sloan days were way before my time. Yeah, um, they were before my time, too, but I've, you can look them up, you can find the stuff. He was a, Jerry Sloan on this year's Jazz team actually would have been probably a perfect solution as the backup point guard, so. Could have used. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Could have used Hard him. Hard-nosed defense, dirty as, like, the Jazz were known for being dirty when he was a coach, and it's nothing compared to who he was as a player. But uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the Jazz were dirty in so much as the whole NBA was. Yeah, it, it it was a rough physical league back then. Yeah, uh, it was, and it was kind of hard to watch to an extent. So, oh man, I just saw a tweet that says uh, by Chris Paul, and I have to close Twitter. I cannot support uh, the love for Chris Paul. He sucks. As a human being, he's fine. But as a basketball player, just no, never. Uh-uh. I, don't, I don't support the flopping. I don't support the flailing. Uh, the finals do not exist unless uh, they didn't happen unless Giannis wins. So. <laughs> um, well, unfortunately. Yeah, the Bucks are... Bucks are down 0-2 to uh, a team that doesn't exist. So. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're gonna start some draft talk. Enough. Uh, yeah, let's let's talk about the draft because it's one of my favorite nights of the year. I love the NBA draft, and the funny thing about the draft. So, like, I'm I'm a bit of a draft nerd. I I try to watch college basketball to scout people. I follow a lot of draft podcasts and, and draft Twitter people, and I'm not a scout myself. I'm not the expert on it, but I, I do my best. The hard part is that in, in trying to study and, and prep for all this stuff, everybody talks about the lottery. Everybody talks about the top five picks. I really don't care if the Pistons are going to take Jalen Green and make a mistake instead of taking Cade Cunningham. I mean, I'm interested in those guys. They're going to be the future of the NBA, but the Jazz never draft in that area, so I don't care. And so much yeah. of the coverage you get is like, who are all these guys? And you get so little of, of all right, who's going to be the people in that 
25 to 35 range, that sweet spot where the Jazz are picking this year. Yeah, and honestly, uh, the the range that usually interests me the most is like right after the lottery. Anytime 15 to uh, 15 to 30 and beyond, I find the most interesting because I I get a ton of coverage about the top guys, which you know deservedly so. These guys are fantastic players. I disagree with you because I think Jalen Green has the higher ceiling. Cade is a sure thing. I 100% agree, but I think Jalen has a slightly higher ceiling that he can hit. Um, but these are both going to be fantastic players. I honestly don't think you can really go wrong unless you're, you know, uh, planning to ruin their things in your franchise. You know, like, unless unless the Rockets take one, take one of those two players and then just inexplicably do some more Rockets blowing up type stuff that they were doing last year. That was just embarrassing. Yeah, if, if they just, you know continue to be owned by Tillman Fertitta, then they'll continue yeah. to be the Rockets. It's well, I mean, Robert ownership, Starver said, Although, said, yeah, yeah, I was about to one say, of the worst owners in the NBA. ownership can, uh, can be overcome somehow, which what's happened with the Suns, and I mean, it takes, it must take an incredible amount of luck. I, I The Suns are legitimate. Like, in I believe in the Suns. I respect the, John, the Suns. But, uh, the Suns. Jones? Yeah, well, James Jones. He's mm-hmm. been fantastic. Master stroke of the season for him. He's done fantastic. They had a lot of chips fall just their way. And you know what? They also were the healthiest team in basketball this year. So every team lost an all-star for at least one game in the playoffs that was like a major competitor for the title. And I mean, the, the Suns did too to COVID, but that's... It's just a different thing than the Jazz having Donovan Mitchell on one foot and not having Mike Conley for a full series. It's a different thing than losing Kawhi Leonard for the full for the full playoffs and Giannis going down with his knee. Like they've just been incredibly healthy and that's great. And they could have made it without all that, but they just had like the red carpet rolled out for them. Yeah, I mean honestly, because they're a very good team. Um, I, I I mean there was a lot of Jazz fans that like to. They were wanted to dance on Devin Booker's grave, which I don't think is is smart because he's a good player. Um, I Booker's still feel great. Like, Jazz fans are still bitter that Dennis Lindsay made the wrong choice. It's a it's a tradition oh, yeah. in Jazz draft history to take the wrong player right before a great player, and it's not always like a bad player. Like Darren Williams was a great draft pick. He just happened yeah. to be picked one pick ahead of Chris Paul. Gordon Hayward was a good draft pick. That's a very good draft pick. He's an all-star. He just happened to be picked one pick ahead of Paul George. Like, Trey Lyles was a terrible draft pick who just happened to be picked one pick ahead of Devin Booker. And he turned into Donovan Mitchell, which, fantastic. I'm glad he turned into Donovan Mitchell. You know what's hilarious? I mean, mean, it is hilarious how people, uh, we talk about how, uh, Booker didn't wouldn't want to come here, didn't want to come here, all this crap. And it's like, who knows if that's any of that's true? It could be propaganda being spewed by the front yeah, office just I mean, to sell people on Trey uh, Lyles. I have of, no idea. Of the front off or of the jazz beat reporters I trust most, Jody Genesee is one of the ones I trust least. But he did report that they were told by Devin Booker that he was not interested in coming to Utah. But guess what? People get drafted to teams they're not interested in coming to, and they go to, and they play there, because that's how the NBA works. 
as long as we have this kind of draft system, that's how it works. Honestly, it, yeah, there's almost you have to be a Kobe Bryant level talent to to pull off something where you get traded. Um, like that's the only way that happens, and that hasn't happened since Kobe. And it's like, and that's why Kobe fell to 13, and then he got traded to the Lakers. You know, I mean, uh, he got traded for Vlade Divac of all people. <laughs> <laughs> a player yeah, that then faced several times versus the Kings in, in some beautiful playoff play, uh, battles that in one of those series should have resulted in a Kings win. Um, that's sorry, yeah. Sacramento fans. Anyways, um, but yeah, let's let's keep going on this uh, this draft thought process. So we're yeah, thinking we, we the Jazz go wing, right? We're thinking the Jazz go uh, wing, right? Wing or a. A point guard of the future. I think that, that I can see them. They need a backup point guard. If they have a strong defensive yeah. back, uh, point guard prospect that's on the board. I mean, the Jazz are going to go best player available. The best player available is not going to be a big for the Jazz. <laughs> yeah, like, guaranteed. guaranteed. It, it, it's, it's pretty much guaranteed, hopefully. I mean, Dennis Lindsay decided that it was it was last year and overrode a few people. Um but this year, I think that the chances that they pick a center, especially a one-position center, are almost zero. I hope they're almost zero. I don't want to have my blood pressure up as high as I was when I was certain they were going to draft Desmond Bain, and they didn't. And that's not to say yeah. anything bad about Udoka Azubuke. He's, we haven't seen him. He got injured in his second game with the G League. But he was going to be a third-string center no matter what. And, you know, I the don't need, think the Bane would have played the kind of minutes team. he did for the yeah. Grizzlies that he did with the Jazz. But he was enough, a rotation player on a playoff team. Yeah, which we could have used. We were very thin. Yeah. Um, and, and especially at the wing, we were very thin. It was it was ugly. Exactly. Um, so what uh, what are some names that you're interested in? in that 30 range, which so I, I don't every, imagine the Jazz trade up, honestly. I wonder if, I think for the right guy, if it doesn't cost too much to trade up a couple picks, they might do it. Uh, that was a Dennis Lindsay special. He'd go from like a 27 to a 25 or, you know, he'd move just a couple picks. But yeah, I don't think there's a high likelihood of moving up in this draft. The Jazz don't have second round picks to trade. Um, and I don't know which guys that are their prospects are going to be intriguing enough to people. We haven't seen them. Nobody has seen them, um, which is its own kind of complaint I have with the team. Like, I don't know that any other teams are going to value those guys to be able to move up a little bit. So, yeah, I think they probably stick at 30. In that 30 range, it's hard to know who's who's going to actually fall that low. So I kind of try to look at people that are on big boards between 25, 35 range. Um, people that are on mock drafts in that same kind of general area. Uh, a guy that I like a lot is, and he's he's my draft crush this year. He's the guy I want the Jazz to get. Um, he's more of a guard than a wing, and he's a little bit duplicative of, of Donovan Mitchell. He would definitely be like a backup coming off the bench kind of guy. But, I mean, at 30, if you get a guy that can be in your rotation, that's an absolute steal. Uh, Josh Christopher out of Arizona State. Josh Christopher. Okay. Okay. So Josh Christopher of Arizona State, he had um, 
before the the college season and actually as recently as like March there were people that were mocking him and and saying that he was going to be going in like the lottery and then he just fell but he had a really good showing um at the combine and in in the scrimmages that they played so he might be rising up draft boards right now he is in that sweet spot range where he might fall low enough to the jazz he's super athletic 64 69 um wingspan he's a guard wing um I, I was listening to a podcast that described him as having shades of Donovan Mitchell and a little bit of uh, Jordan Clarkson in him. Uh, his The big ding on him is his shot selection is terrible. And, you know, if you watch early Jordan Clarkson, you, you can see that. But he's a plus defender. So if I can get a Jordan Clarkson that is also likely to be a plus defender in the NBA um, – the other name that they threw out as a comp for him was Jimmy Butler. So, like, high, high ceiling is that he's some kind of unholy cross between Donovan Mitchell and Jimmy Butler. And I oh, would die crazy. for that. Uh, he, he needs to improve his shot. He, he's got a streaky shot, and it's got a slow release. Um, but super athletic. He's got the athleticism the Jazz need. I think he's got the defensive chops the Jazz need. He can guard bigger than he is because he's got that 6'9 wingspan. I, I would love if they were able to get Josh Christopher. So he's he's kind of the guy that I have top of my jazz draft board right now. But, you know, that's saying that some people that might fall don't fall all that way. Um, I, I really like Josh Christopher. He's one of those guys that had a lot more hype coming into this season. And the thing that I think that is important to remember about this season is that it is insanely weird. Uh, yeah. an insanely weird year. I wouldn't put too much stock. It was, it was nuts into what for the NCAA. Yeah, like there were some even, people even that more just fell so than the NBA. I, I think that with the way the college basketball season went, like there's people talk about Jalen Johnson. He's going to be way out of the Jazz's draft league and drafted ahead of them. But he he had a rough year at Duke. He left Duke early. And they're like, well, how how do we judge that? Is he the kind of person that's going to give up on a team? And you're like, no, this is the COVID year. Like, I don't Honestly, know how much stock to put into these guys. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked we haven't seen more UCLA names because they had an incredible tournament run. I mean, just I don't know if they just aren't graduating any players or I mean, not that that even yeah. happens these days. There aren't a lot of guys graduating, and uh, there are not a lot of guys that are leaving school early. Um, Johnny Ju, tripping over Juzang. my Juzang. Yeah. Juzang decided just the other day. He was one like the last minute. He said, "No, I'm going to go back to college and That's try crazy. to improve my my draft stock." So yeah, like he was the top prospect likely to come out of UCLA, and he decided to go back to school. So, and that's fair. Like there. There are lots of things going yeah, on that player, maybe honestly, people can make money in college now. Yeah, yeah. The Jazz lack athleticism, and, and I would have loved to see the Jazz be able to pick up Juzang. That would have been great. Yeah, he would, he, he would be a fun player. He would likely be – I mean, I think he's a second rounder, but that's that's uh, no, the kind know, of player that I, I, like. I can see. Yeah. yeah, I can see the Jazz taking a flyer on him in the second round, though, trading a future yeah. something for Another guy that I would mention, um, he, I think he's likely to go in the mid-20s or even maybe the low-20s, and so not going to be on the board for the Jazz. But if he falls, a lot of people like him is Trey Murphy the third. Trey Murphy. Um, 
I made a joke earlier today that the last two guys named Trey with P-R-E-Y were drafted by the Jazz, so they they got to give it another shot, and hopefully the third time's the charm, and it works out better than Trey Burke and Trey Lyles. Um, big wing out of Virginia. Uh, I'm a, I live in Virginia. Like he's he's a good guy, six nine, uh, twenty year old, seven foot wingspan, a strong wing, plays solid defense, has a good solid stroke. Like Trey Murphy would be a good pick for the Jazz if he's able to fall Trey back. Trey Murphy. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on Jared Butler from Baylor? Yeah, I really like Jared Butler. So I, I think Jazz fans probably became aware of Baylor and Davion Mitchell a lot during the season because he wears 45. He has a game that's a little bit modeled off of Donovan. Donovan wore his jersey to some of the games later in the season. And the the Bears won the title. Um, not to mention that the Jazz have, with Dennis Lindsay, although Lindsay now on the outs, um, have strong ties to Baylor. I think that there, there is a good chance that... Um, the Jazz will look at Baylor guys. And I think that if you came into the season, Butler was the higher rated prospect. He's, you know, in some ways the better player. Uh, Mitchell's got better defense, but Butler was the person that most people would have expected to be the higher pick. And so if his heart concerns, his health concerns um, allow him, are, are checked out and he's able to play, He's the kind of guy that I think would be great on the Jazz. Solid character guy. Um, and he's, again, going to be that guard of the future. But the Jazz desperately needed somebody that wasn't Trent Forrest as their backup point guard when, like, it, it's it's not Joe Ingles. And that left yeah, it's Trent de- Forrest. It's definitely not Joe. I, I'm, I'm sick of us playing Joe at the point. Joe is better as a secondary playmaker. Um, yeah. Anyways, um, so yeah, I, Josh Primo. I think that it would be really good with Jared Butler. Um, Josh Primo. So Primo is not one of the names right. that I've had a chance to really look at closely. Um, he is the kind of guy I think the Jazz could take a look at. I'm I'm guessing he's going to be more like in the mid second round. I haven't seen him, you know, mocked that highly. But if Even the Jazz fall a... in love with him. Well, even though he's only 19, he's a freshman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's see. So he was mocked by the Athletic to 36th in their latest mock draft. Um, 37th to the Pistons from from Jeremy Woods, Sports Illustrated. Uh He's not in the first round on on almost any boards I see, but he is he's in that low third or like that mid to low thirties where if the Jazz see that guy he's he's six five, um, he's you know he's a solid player he's young enough um, he's got off ball shooting, uh, he's just not that physical of a guy. Um, I don't know I, I I don't know very much about him. I think that the Jazz will have better choices than Primo at thirty. Gotcha. No, I'm just curious with your thoughts. Um, do you think we might target a Gonzaga player to, you know, be our next <laughs> to, to go to go with the Gonzaga oh. connections again? I don't think so. I think that the really good Gonzaga players are going to be gone, and then what's left of those guys from Gonzaga are just not not what the Jazz need. Um, like so, like. Joel Aiea, you think is probably going to be gone out of the jazz range? Well, I I think Aiea will probably be there. I just yeah yeah. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I honestly probably still forget the board. But yeah, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name either. Um, yeah, he, uh, he. I don't think that he. He's. I think he'll be on the board. Um, again, I think he's going to be like a mid-second rounder. He's going to be in the 40s, but it, it remains to be seen. He's got good size. He's got guard skills. Um, he, he's the kind of guy that the Jazz should be looking at. I just don't think that he's the kind of guy that they're going to go for. Okay. Do you think Springer might fall, fall to the Jazz out of Tennessee? I don't think Springer's going to be there for the Jazz. Like, actually, Springer yes. would be really good for the Jazz. Um, solid wingspan. He's a freshman, so he's, you know, he's almost 19, 6'4", 6'8", wingspan. He's good, powerful, strong body. Um, I just, I think that everywhere that I've seen him mocked and everybody that has those insider connections has him going, like, in the 20s at the lowest. He's, I don't think he'll be there mm. for the Jazz. Um... Cameron Thomas out of LSU. Cameron Thomas is kind of in that that range where he might fall low enough. I think he'll be off the board too, but I think Cameron Thomas could be a solid pick for the Jazz. Um, yeah, I, I know a lot of people that really like him. Uh, he's also young enough. He's he's again he's in that kind of a two guard or a big point guard size where he's not a full wing. Um, and I don't think the Jazz are going to go for a shooting guard unless they see a really big upside, and I don't think he's got enough of that. Um, where that, He might not even be who they'd pick if he falls that low, and I don't think he'll fall that low. So uh, do you have any small forward names? Because I think most of the guys that I'm seeing are they got a point guard out of uh, yeah. Preston, so, Ohio. But... For, like, the wing size, so... I. I really like Josh Christopher. He's one of those guys that was projected to be lottery, and then he's just fallen off boards. But I think that he has the potential. He's a swing, you know, it's a it's a hit or miss situation, but you're picking at 30. Like, go for the hits, and if you swing and you miss, you, that's fine. It's, it's the 30th draft pick. Um, so a similar player would be Brandon Boston. Um, BJ Boston is, was mocked to be, like, high lottery before the season came and he just didn't have it at Kentucky this year. Like he was, he was the big recruit for Kentucky. He was supposed to be super promising and he didn't look great, but I just, it was a very uh, weird year for blue chip schools. Honestly, very weird. it was a weird year for everybody. I, I wonder how much of his, of everything that went on with him. I mean, he didn't shoot the three very well while he was there. I just, the things that were intriguing before the season, and given that it was the COVID season, I still think that he's incredibly intriguing. And the kind of guy that people are like, yeah, that guy's going to be a high lottery pick before the season. Like, if you can get that kind of guy at 30 and just see if you can develop him and maximize that, I think that it's worth that kind of a swing. Um, I mean, the same he's... Thing. I mean, uh, there's another smaller guy, Bones Highland, that we kind of talked about. Uh, before I think we started recording, but he's more of a yeah. Small guard type. So. Yeah, he's he's going to be your small point guard type again. I think the Jazz will look at that kind of player, um, and he's he's the kind of player that I think could help the Jazz. I really like Bones Highland. I live in Richmond, Virginia. I haven't been able to make it to VCU games this year because it's that kind of weird year. But I have been following him, yeah. and 
I think that Bones would be a good pick for the Jazz. Another kind of guy that, I mean, one of the things I love about this draft is that there are some just fantastic names, like uh, JT Thor out of Auburn, six foot nine, seven three wingspan, super raw, super raw. But he, they, he, there's so many people who are in love with him from like draft Twitter. I think that if you can maximize that and kind of try to develop him. And this is where you get in the hard part with the Jazz. The Jazz are in win-now mode. They want somebody that can come in and plug in and play right now. And when you're picking at 30, like, I kind of want them to swing for the fences and sometimes go for these raw guys. But they've got to actually get playtime. They've got to actually be able to develop. So, like, Thor, Thor's the kind of guy I think will probably be gone. Somebody's going to gamble on his upside. But there are some boards that have him low enough that he could fall in the Jazz range. Um I love the name Bones. I, I'm a big Star Trek fan, so anybody named Bones is good in my book. Um, <laughs> and then, like, when I was growing up, Rocco's Modern Life was one of my uh, my favorite oh, shows, one of my favorite show. cartoons. So yeah. there's a guy named Roko Prakacin from Croatia. And, like, I, I if the Jazz draft him, I'm going to be posting all sorts of Rocco gifts. And, and uh, like, that's the kind of wing sharpshooter he's not quite 19 years old 6'9 6'11 wingspan he's oh. a sound defender and moves with burst um he's a capable ball handler he's a small he should be, yeah oh, and he should be available in the jazz draft range like he's one of those international guys that people aren't so confident in um he needs to put on some weight he needs to get bigger um his hey, jump shot can do some work but um you know, like watching his tape he he didn't have a bad three-point percentage, it was 33%, but a lot of his shots are, like, corner threes, so he needs to work on his shot. But he, he's going to be able to play solid defense. He's got some good instincts. He's the kind of guy that could handle the ball and be, like, the future replacement for Joe Ingles when he retires after this next season. Um, and, and so, like, I, I really – Roko Prakacin is one of my, my top picks for the Jazz – yeah, it's, I'm starting to wonder if Joe should consider early retirement. Um, <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry, of, guys. I'm his, sorry. His, I love Joe. He had a fantastic regular season, and his playoffs were just abysmal. That's, yeah, he was, he was not good. He was not good. Um, I love Joe, too, but I, I, and I'm, I've been unnecessarily hard on him, as well as probably another couple of players. I mean, what are you going to yeah. do? <laughs> it's an ugly end of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a lot of lot of good drafting. <laughs> digest. Honestly, I think uh, I'll try to keep an eye on some of these guys that you've mentioned um, because Rocco, for example, Rocco Prabacin. I don't think it, there was a kid out of France <laughs> yeah, that I found. It's really hard to pronounce. Yeah, it's a P R K. Okay. A kid uh, out of France. Yeah, he's he's tall. He's probably too tall for us. But he's yeah, he, like, one of the bigs. I mean, if if one of the really high quality bigs falls low enough, like that's the kind of guy that you can consider looking at. Some of them, like if you can get a stretch five, the Jazz honestly need to be able to have somebody that can play more of a small ball kind of game. Like I I believe, and I might be in the minority here. I believe a healthy Jazz team makes it to the Western Conference Finals. And it has an absolute slugfest with the Suns. Like I think that they go head to head, and it's a great series. 
with the two teams healthy. But that's not what we got. And I think that year after year, the Jazz keep losing to small ball teams. And they've gotten better at defending those things. And I think healthy Mike and healthy Donovan makes it so that they do a much better job than they did this year. Um, but that's um, they need to have that option. They need to be more versatile and be able to switch things up when those situations present themselves and not be stuck in the mode that they have been. Um, so the guys out of France, um, there's Usman Garuba. He's a French player who plays for Real Madrid. Um, he's actually not that tall, but he's got a 7-2 wingspan, and he's a small ball center. There are some people that have him falling low enough that he could fall to the Jazz, but I think he'll be off the board. I don't know if that's the guy you'd heard about. Um, other oh, French guys. Oh, I watched some tape on him. He's got a he's got a good shooting touch on the outside. Yeah, I really Perfect like guy. Garuba. Garuba would be um, he's the kind of big that I wouldn't be mad at the Jazz taking. The kind of big that I would be mad at the Jazz taking is if they go, hey, let's go with the local guy, and um, you know Nehemiah's Keda. He's getting some draft talk. He's probably going to be drafted in the the high second round, I would guess. And he's good. Keda is good. Would be he's fallen boy. Yeah, he he's not what the Jazz needs. I think he can make a place in the in the league. I think that he can be a good get, player on the right team. He's not the player for the Jazz. Yeah, no, because the only other French names I can think of are like Yeah, and he's not till next year. And then there's Wimbayamba or Wimbayama. Uh, 2023, so I think. Yeah, Victor Wimbayana is is a, a future. He's and he's going to be out of the Jazz draft range unless they crash. Um, but Wimbayana would be great. <laughs> the, the other guys from France, we already talked about Ayayi. He's French. Um, there's yeah. a guy named Duham Bagarin, but he's not. He's and and then there, I think there's a guy who plays for Cholet in France, Johan Macondo, who I've seen on some um, on some big boards. But those guys are second rounders. Like I, I, I think Garubas and Ayayi are the only two that would be really the French guys the Jazz would look at. Mm, surely, he's a Rudy guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we've we've done well, we've done well with players from Surely. <laughs> All right. So, the one, yeah. anyways. Yeah. This is like the only. Surely, guy, he's been drafted. You know, they're so. not um, oh, not French, but from from the neighborhood. There's a uh, Vrenz Bleichenberg from from Belgium, and I actually think he's he's from the Flemish side of Belgium. Oh. But I, I think that he could be intriguing. Mm-hmm. He's that six nine wing kind of player the Jazz could use, um, and he'll be uh, in the Jazz what draft range. What he, play? he plays for Antwerp. Who does he play for? For Antwerp, which I'm Antwerp. not sure which league. Um, officially, and I think that's just part of. Uh, let's see. Might be a Euro League team, the Antwerp Giants. Yeah, it's it's in the B- Belgian Professional Basketball League. Like he's, <laughs> it's not a great league, <laughs> but you can get great players not it's from small great league. leagues. Yeah. yeah, it's a small league. Oh, Belgium is not for its players, but, you know, that's that's where Giannis came from. He played in these empty gyms and and was a revelation shortly after he came out. So, um, 
I think that's the kind of guy that the Jazz might look at. Um, there's a, another foreigner, Rokas Jokubaitis, who plays for Zalgiris. Um, Zalgiris happens to be coached by Martin Schiller, who was the Stars coach last year, has close ties to the oh, Jazz. Yeah, I um, so Jokubaitis is not like he's a second rounder on almost everybody's boards. He's he's not somebody that's everybody's in love with, but he's young. He's got good size. Um, he's that kind of 6'4 guard that the Jazz might be interested in. And they've got ties to Schiller. They can get a better scouting report than most people, especially given the limitations on travel right now. Um, they might have an in and, and, and have more insight into Yokovitis than, than other teams. All right. Just, just uh, as a everybody who's listening to this, I don't know how much editing... Uh, this is gonna, I'm probably going to be doing some heavy editing because I don't know if, if it's my internet connection or what's going on, but I've heard yeah, there has I, been some choppy play. There's so, been some feedback, yeah. In, in any case, yeah, yeah, that was not your fault. It's, I don't, I don't even know what's going on. So, yeah, I'm, it's just it gonna, happens. It's going to be an interesting, interesting uh, editing session afterwards. All right, so let's get to the. I mean, the draft talk is fun, but I almost have even more fun, uh, you know, playing GM, uh, mm-hmm. which would be like players that are already in the league, uh, that kind of GM, because obviously yeah. the draft is part of that. But um, I was in a hilarious thread earlier. I want to shout out uh, AZA uh, Mass Mets uh, It's hard to say his name. I believe he's he's a big jazz fan. I believe he lives in Germany. Cool dude, great follow. Um, but he was saying that the Jazz need to uh, do ransom, have ransomware blackmail, and and have the Silicon Slope yuppie at the helm and take advantage of that, so that we can you know uh, somehow get more get get uh, an asset for free or something, you know, get a player for free or some craziness. <laughs> um, and my my good buddy, uh, people might know him as Arn. Post game underscore Malone. Uh, he said the Jazz should mortgage the future of 20% of the cardios and move the years, which you know that's A for effort, but no longer accurate. Brian Smith needs to needs to sell Quadrics, not just his stock, everything. <laughs> so, so the building. There's um, yeah. the basement basketball court in Ryan's basement, and all of it, <laughs> according to him. Um, and I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. I I personally think the Jazz have potential to make a another you know mortgage the future type move. People think we people think we already mortgage the future because we traded away one pick that the Grizzlies used, and then well I technically two picks. I think they might have already received both of them from us. Now they've re- um, they've received one. The other one had had double protections, which means it only transfers if it's so low or so high, like. <laughs> so that that pick is yet to convey. It's it's transferred to 2022 right now, and we'll see if it goes in 2022. I, I forget when it actually transfers. No matter what, it turns into two uh, seconds eventually. Two second rounds. Well, well, we'll have to hope that we're either either win the title or just bad enough, just good enough to. Pretend yeah, I I think that it's almost certain to convey next year or in 2023. I'm not sure on exactly when that is. So. I have it up somewhere. Okay. Anyhow, but yeah, Jazz mortgaging the future to try and get something big. What are your ideas? 
Well, I mean, here's the thing. The Jazz need a wing player, a wing player who's got a talent. So we need either a three-level scorer or an elite defender. And if you lose Mike Conley, you really need a three, three-level scorer. So if you put together a package or something like, and then don't don't hate me for this. I mean, guys, it's just just a thought process, just a thought. I mean, I, I love these guys, but you you throw in you throw Joe Ingles, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, and I'm trying to think of the the last name we have that might actually interest somebody. A treasure trove of draft picks, you know, whatever you can. To get to get a guy like Brandon Ingram, that's a swing for the fences type move. But obviously, uh, you know the Pelicans probably aren't going to want to sell him and sell low on him. They keep, but but the Pelicans keep doing stuff that isn't working. I honestly think Boyan is a great fit um, on that team, and it, you know especially if he would be interested in going there and agrees to an extension, that would absolutely be something I'd be interested in if I was the GM of the Pelicans because it gives you a veteran presence. Gives you a fantastic shooter, which is something they badly need. Um, and I just don't feel like Brandon Ingram next to next to, uh, to Zion is a great fit because he's not a pure shooter. He's a three-level scorer, and, and you know sometimes he clogs the lane in there with Zion. Uh, just I don't know. They're they're a weird fit together stylistically. Uh, I feel like you need to surround well, Zion. David Griffin. For some reason, David Griffin follows me on Twitter, so I will drop some hints and see if Wait, I can, seriously? can get him to a. Yeah, no, he he follows me on Twitter. I doesn't interact with me beyond that, but uh, no, that's he started cool, following though. me on Twitter I mean, back before he got the job. So, um, that's yeah, super no, that cool, is man. cool. So I'll I'll try to drop some hints. Brandon Ingram would be good. I don't know what it would take to get Brandon Ingram on the team. I think. Yeah, going to your Sacramento days, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, if the Jazz could find a way to make a package that matches with Harrison Barnes. Um, I also... Uh, I have I have a source that tells me the Jazz are not in on Harrison Barnes. Interested? Yeah. Yeah, they don't well, like and that's, as a player. That's, that may be what it is, but I would be interested that's just in Harrison Barnes. Sauce. I have no um, yeah, I, I, I kind of see him in the uh, roster. Yeah. The other thing... Um, Distressed asset for distressed asset. I love Derek Favors. I will always love Derek Favors. He's not good anymore. Um, I don't think but he's he as provides bad veteran leadership. Yeah, I he's not he's as bad as people make him out to be, but he's he's not what he was. Um, That's he, true. That is true. I will. I will agree to that. Um, and you know, there Marvin Bagley the third has not looked good. He was. A horrific pick. Be he shouldn't have great... been picked as high as he was. But I, but I kind of want fit. to see if, if the Jazz could just work their magic and try to fix him. I think that the Jazz could maximize his potential. And whatever draft picks I need to throw together with Derek Favors, Bag wants out of Sacramento. Favors is, is just not the answer at that salary. Like, it's just not the answer at that salary. And so I would go for that. That's that's one that I keep throwing that's out there. That's not a bad. That's a not a of, bad move. I, I'd be interested in that. I get a lot of pushback from Jazz fans for suggesting that idea, but I think that Marvin Bagley would be good. Well, that's because um, you're going against conventional wisdom, and you got to do. That's what smart GMs do: is they see the potential in a guy, kind of like with Jordan Clarkson. You see a guy, 
a guy that's got some potential but got some warts on a bad team that you really can, oh, let's help him, you know, really have laser removal of his warts. I mean, and he's never going to have them maybe all the way gone, and there's probably going to be some scarring there after you remove them. But, hey, he's probably a, a better player than he looks in Sacramento. Yeah, um, and I like this time. If uh, Of the guys on Sacramento, those are the guys I would look at. I think some people have mentioned, um, you know, everybody keeps going back to Otto Porter. Otto Porter's a shell of himself. Like, he's – you could hope that he's just – going to recover from his the injuries. Only, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to bet on that. The other thing, and, and this is a, this is lifelong Exum Islander. He didn't play it all this uh, year. He showed way, his Bobby moments Portis, with the Cavs. Bobby Portis is in the finals. People laughed at me when I liked Bobby Portis. So. Hey, no, Bobby and Portis the Jazz were actually reportedly high on Bobby Portis. Was it this year or the year before? Like he was rumored, uh, no, it was back in the. He was interested um, in coming when. Yeah. Yeah, when the Jazz ended up signing Bogdanovich, but Portis was was one of those possibilities, and he was a guy that they were getting ready, mm-hmm. and and there was there was some cross chatter with Portis, and I think Portis would have been good. Um, we need, we need a guy that's as hard nosed with him, honestly. Like, we don't I have don't Jake know if the. I don't know if the relationship's been scarred too much. I don't know if he'll ever be healthy. But Dante Exum is an unrestricted free agent this year, and I, you know what? I, I don't, think I don't hate him. the idea of trying to reunite with him. No, Quinn doesn't. Quinn doesn't like him, and he just won the front office battle. That's probably just me on Exum Island being like, let's try to get him back. But you're probably right. That's that's right. a non-starter. Quinn pretty clearly didn't uh, didn't gel. Yeah. Hopefully, he uh, ends up. You know, killing it somewhere with with whoever he signs with, <laughs> sure. if he goes back to Houston, as long as it's not Houston or the Lakers. Eh, the Lakers, I could kind of stomach. Just I don't, I don't know. I could sort of see that potentially. Um, he's a defender, like you know, he plays the kind of defense they want out of a guy. He doesn't have shooting, so that's a problem. People keep yeah. trying to get Kyle Kuzma to the Jazz, and I'm like, no, that's just because you're a Utah homer and you don't watch the Lakers. Uh, there was a, it was actually proposed not by the Jazz but by the, by Lakers. Um, he's a smart guy. Uh, McCrangies uh, on on his podcast. Somebody suggested a Joe Ingles for Kyle Kuzma swap. Um, I don't hate it. I'm not a Kuzma fan. I I I don't think that he's the right answer for the Jazz. But that's one trade that I was like, he's you know what? So I, I don't hate it that much. His defense has improved. Uh, but he, I still don't think it's better than Joe, even at Joe's current level of defense. Yeah. I just you know, and he can't handle the ball the as, well as, Joe. He can't as well as Joe. He can't shoot as I well as Joe. Joe. I mean, I still don't see it. Has a history with the Jazz. He's he's one of those guys that is just very unique, and I know that's an oxymoron. I also think he, if he Joe just, wanted to go to the Lakers, Jazz might do something like that, but I don't know. I don't think. Joe wants to go to anywhere else in the NBA. I think that he is going to retire after the 2021-2022 season, and if the Jazz try to trade him, he'll just retire. That like maybe that's just me wrong, me reading him wrong. But no, no, everything no, no, no. Said, that's, I kind of have the does. same feeling. I said that to somebody. I said that to somebody before the season last year. So I think Joe Ingles is untradeable because I don't think he'll play for another team. 
That makes sense. Like, Honestly, if, I think his family loves it here. Traded, I think both of them built a life yeah. here. Yeah, I think that like, go back what interests him, what motivates him, he wants to go home to Australia, and if he's staying in the NBA, he's going to be at Utah. And the only way that they could use him is as a salary to make salaries match. I don't think he's going to go play for another team. And I could be getting the read wrong, but I, I think that if the Jazz tried to trade him, he would not report to another team. He would just retire. That'd be interesting. Oh, that would be very interesting, honestly. But I, I think Joe's he's gonna he's gonna play one more season. He's gonna play for the Jazz and he's gonna retire. I that's like that's almost written in stone. I don't think he's tradable. Yeah. And then people will want a statue because Jazz fans are funny like that. <laughs> uh. I don't want a statue of Joe Ingles. I love Joe Ingles. He's one of my favorite players ever. He's hilarious. I don't want a statue. He's a, he's a ring I of do honor. Want he's a ring of jersey honor. in the Raptors. Yeah. He's a ring of honor type. Yeah. Like you need to have something below a jersey retirement for a guy. Like, and, yeah. and I don't the, think we do. The Jazz, the Jazz need to get um, some numbers back that are in the Raptors, but yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> like the pistol. I mean, I love pistol, but uh-huh. he never played in Utah. Well, um, he he. He kind of played in Utah. <laughs> that was that wasn't pistol. He was no longer. Yeah, the the full like the full pistol didn't really happen. Although if you if you count the full the franchise history, which I think you should, like he was the first jazz man, and he was absolutely vitally important to New Orleans with the Jazz, less so than with LSU, but like he was New Orleans basketball during that period. And so, like, Pistol being up there, that. I don't mind. Frank Layden um, and and taking up a jersey number, I, I'm not – I mean, Frank Layden deserves all the respect we in the world. We need to change that number to, like, 100 or something. Yeah, Yeah. do something like what you did with Sloan. Do something like what you did with Humbly, where it's a symbol or it's a number that's not a realistic number for anyone to wear because that number shouldn't be retired for a coach yeah, and number, GM. Yeah, number one should be usable. I agree. Number one should yeah. be usable. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have any other, like, I, I think it would be great. Evan Fournier, Boston's going to do everything they can to keep him. There's nothing, yeah, even if the sad. Jazz tried to mortgage their future, like being able to team up Donovan Mitchell and somehow steal, um, oh, man, my mind is pulling a blank right now, uh, steal – Jalen Smith from Jaylen? from the uh, no, J- like it's not going to happen. There's no way that the Jazz can convince them to, to do that. But if you'd be perfect, Brown, Brown, right? Jalen Brown, yeah. My mind is Jalen Smith's with with the Suns and about to win a title. Um, he was my draft crush <laughs> last year, and so sorry, my my ma- mind went blank right as I was going to say. I'm like Green Goblin that, is what they call. That's uh, understandable. We've been uh, talking drafts. Yeah, it's good. It's all good. Maybe she was talking about anyhow. Um, yeah, no, Jalen Brown is like would be perfect on the Jazz. He's exactly what they need, and there's no way the Jazz can get him. I mean, Jason Tatum would be even more perfect, but that's even more of a pipe dream. But there are guys, you know, I, I wish that there were somebody. I think the Jazz could get somebody like Gordon Hayward if there were another player similarly situated with a similar injury history, and that's, you know, you throw the whole book at them. The problem is the only guy that's exactly like that is Gordon Hayward, and those bridges are burned. Yeah, there's no way the Jazz would even want him back. Just 
Yeah, like like that one's done. But if there was a player that was not Gordon Hayward, he was Jordan Gayward. <laughs> like conceivable, conceivable. And he was in the same situation. You just throw everything at Charlotte and try to get that kind of guy away from them. Like that's the kind of all-in move you could try to make. But I like Hayward's kind of in that kind of situation. There's no one else really I can conceive of that you can. And try to get away from a team. You just got to buy low on on somebody who's still got upside, and, and you can try to get them away from their team. Which Ingram, yeah. I think Ingram's I mean, that kind of guy where he's like a one-time all-star. He's got tons of potential, but he's not a great fit with Zion. Like maybe you can find a way to yeah. to make that work. But yeah, and he's already got I mean, that's, you know existing chemistry with Jordan Clarkson. But yeah. Exactly. They played together. I think they actually looked decent together. You know, they had decent chemistry. Um, so that, that's about the only name. I mean, so, and, and that shout out to my my guy Black Magic for that for that suggestion. Um, we've been talking about that name for a couple months because um, he said he feels like the Jazz need a three level scorer. And honestly, you know, if Mike Conley was interested in going to uh, to New Orleans, which I don't think he is. That would probably be a, a great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if Conley's going to go somewhere. It's going to be somebody that's competing for a title. So like, I agree. If you I could find a way to do a Miami, double, Miami, I don't do a double sign and trade and find a way to get Kyle Lowry. That would be great. Kyle Lowry was interested yeah, in the that, Jazz. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Back with the, but, the problem would be that it'd have yeah. to be like a three-team trade because he doesn't want to go to Toronto. So. So. I don't know what we're sending the Raptors in that situation, but yeah, but that, that would be an interesting one to play with. That'd be super complicated and you know, fun, actually. It's for the Jazz to pull off anything without really, you know, breaking the bank and and like I think that you could figure out a way to do a three-team trade, maybe where Gobert would be perfect if you like you're really really going to shake things up. Gobert would be perfect on. A team like the Mavericks. Uh, the Mavericks, I mean, the Jazz aren't going to be interested in taking Kristaps Porzingis back. But maybe if there's somebody that's got like a superstar, and if you could make it work where there are enough picks, like if Damian Lillard actually makes a, a trade demand, but Damian's not really the right guy. The Jazz don't need a point guard. Um, but if there's like that kind of high-level player, and you can get a team that says, "I'm going to take all the draft picks. I'm going to take Kristaps Porzingis as a project who can possibly work out." but he's really just the salary, and I'm going to get all the draft picks. The Jazz send Gobert to the Mavericks, and you get that player. I don't know who that player is, but that's, yeah. I think, a way that you try oh. to make it happen. You try to, you get a is team there... like Orlando involved and try to get a, the minister of defense or something from them. Yeah. yeah. That would be I... somebody who the Jazz would be interested in, honestly. In my opinion. I don't know. That's true. But I think he could play like small ball center for you and stuff. Anyway. But it's very, yeah, it's very telling. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say where where things go. I don't know. I You know, I think the Jazz could make things work for it. Like, a Jonathan Isaac's not big enough for the Jazz to be willing to trade Gobert, in my opinion. But um, no, there's just... No, no, it's no. It's the kind we of thought experiment more than that. you need to we do. We need more. Yeah. 
Uh, that's why I'd be he, more interested in kind of a package the from the Hawks. Where you need they have more to offer. You you do yeah. a Hawks go bear for Capella, and then they send us other stuff. He'd be great with Trey Young. Honestly, he'd be, yeah. he'd be fantastic with Trey Young. He'd be, he'd be way better than Capella with is. Doncic or with Trey Young, yeah. and and would like maximize those teams. The Jazz getting back Capella is and, not and bad. it maximizes like, him because he gets lobs from those guys. So, but like. I, I don't know. Capella and Herter, that's not going to do it for me. They're not going to trade Trey Young, you, you know, like. No, I know. But I don't know. Maybe something could, else, like another draft yeah. or something, and which we'd then try to parlay into something else, I think. Yeah. It's those kinds of thought experiments are what hopefully whoever's in charge in the Jazz front office, apparently Justin Zanuck, um, is running through and trying to figure out. And, you know, I hope they find something creative to do that maximizes this team because this team can be really great we, we saw it like there were times when this team was absolutely dominant and yeah. i still think yeah. that they had all the potential in the world i mean it, it's it's just unfortunate i think jazz need, clippers like as much as the jazz losing sucks defense or sorry you're breaking oh sorry uh i was just saying that like as much as the Jazz losing that second round series sucks. Like I wouldn't have minded as much if it had been like a matchup between these two great teams, but then you have Kawhi go down and the Jazz are hobbled and it's just not that. And then the Suns Suns Clippers is the same thing. The Nets got injured. Like I just wish that we had been able to see these these healthy teams go at each other without the usual names, the usual suspects, and it would have been such a great playoffs. And in a lot of ways, it's really disappointing how it how it shook out. Not that there wasn't Honestly, a lot of excitement Nets, and Trey Young's ascendancy wasn't great. Yeah, if the Nets had had Kyrie instead of um, instead of Harden, they probably would have won that series. Yeah, well, and Harden was hobbled. Harden was was a shell of himself. Like that's this, yeah, both teams, the Jazz and the Nets. I, I don't think you can attribute simple. all those ugly missed shots and looking off Durant, and there was just too much there. Mike Conley was hobbled, but Mike Conley still made some winning plays. Harden just, Kevin Durant was like, help me. I need some help. And he passed it right back to him. And it's like, that's embarrassing yeah. for a player of your caliber and at your salary, not being willing to take a shot for your two superstar teammate to give him some kind of help. You shouldn't even be on the court. That was embarrassing. And, 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 and honestly, I, I, you know, I got to give James Harden his props. He looked fantastic in the regular season after he left the Rockets. He should not have been on the floor. If you're going to yeah. play like that, if you're not going to help out your teammate, just you should not be on the floor. That was, it was disgusting. It's, I mean, I, I understand why things didn't work with Chris Paul and him. I don't blame that on Chris Paul. I blame that on James and I'm a, I'm a well-known Chris Paul hater, but you know you got to give him his flowers. His team is in the finals. Um, he's a, the third best player on a championship team. I mean, that's yeah. Anyways, sorry. Yeah. Little diatribe. No, no, that's. <laughs> so it w- I I still think you know that it would have been great to see these the the teams at full health this season just be able to play play each other. And I mean even. I don't like the Lakers, but even with the Lakers, like a healthy Anthony Davis, a healthy LeBron James, a healthy that James would have been Hart a more Hardy, interesting first like round series. Kyrie Irving, they, they still push that to six games. It's 
it would have just been really nice to have healthy teams in these playoffs. Like, I mean, and Donovan Mitchell was a revelation. Like, it, what he what even as a hobble Donovan Mitchell, he put up thirty seven. It's crazy. Yeah, like he he was a near like it was near triple double on one ankle in a an elimination game. Like he was fantastic, even when he yeah. was completely hurt for those last four games. And so. Yeah. It, it's what could have been, and, and that's part of why the season hurts so much, is like, good luck to the Suns, and, and I feel good for their fans, even if Sarver is a piece of trash. And then, you know, you just, yeah. hopefully yeah, next I'm, year I'm we can their fans. I am. find a way to maximize what the Jazz have, which is using that the, the taxpayers' MLE and getting somebody. Um, it's probably not going to be enough, and, you know, I... The, the reports are that the Jazz front office actually didn't recruit and, and wasn't high on. Um... Oh, man, my mind is going blank right now. Favors. On, no. Uh, Clippers Rudy asked guy that, no. that was on the Hornets. Yeah. Rudy asked Batum to come to the Jazz. The first call Batum got was Rudy calling him and saying, hey, you should join me on the Jazz. Uh, but the front office I, I that, didn't put the I right heard, behind I, it. Oh, really? That sucks. Because I, I thought I heard that the Clippers kind of got to him first. That no, sucks. the first Rudy got to. So I can find the article. I'll send it to you. The first phone oh, call he got was Rudy Gobert saying he should join the Jazz, and then the Clippers called, and everybody on the Clippers did like a full team press, full court press, and were like, "No, you need to come to us. You need to come to us." And the Jazz front office just didn't really push for it, that's but Rudy did. Oh, that's embarrassing. So, um. Yeah, there's an article not, from one of the gonna, Los Angeles Because Rudy has a great, great relationship with Nico, man. But, uh, oh, man. Yeah. Stuff to gaff. Spistical on that. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. That's, just, that's upsetting. I mean, I wasn't high on him either before the season, but I, I'm not in the front office. So it's to me that's inexcusable. The way that he killed you. He absolutely killed you. In the well, postseason. He was exactly what the like, Jazz knew oh, yeah, they no. should Rudy be. wanted this like, guy. You know that he's a distressed asset, but he was signing for the minimum. He's the kind of player with yeah, the potential for he's the. He's a shooter. Like, he's a big who's a shooter. He's, he's a small ball yeah, center. He's, he's, a, he's a power he's a, forward fit. He is so much better than George's Niang. I don't even know if you say the yes in George's, but I, I don't care because he's not going to be playing for my team anymore. So I don't. I mean, I, I've already been bashing him previously. I Now I can go full on, hey, go get paid somewhere else. I don't want you here. Bye. Bye, Bartlestein contract. Bye. <laughs> yeah, like, this isn't the article I was thinking of, but Los Angeles Times on June 8th. Before Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Toronto, and the Clippers could reach Nicolas Batum last November, his first call was from the Utah Jazz. It wasn't surprising that Rudy Gobert called Batum after his surprising release by Charlotte. The friends and teammates on France's national team are really close, Batum told the Times in February, and they share an agent. And Batum was like, yeah, Nico, come on, come with me, let's do it together. But the Jazz front office wasn't behind that. That was that was Gobert pushing for it, and they just didn't get behind it. And from, from some recent reporting I saw, the Jazz were just like, no, we want to go for him, but they didn't put too much into it. And so, you know, and the Clippers were all in. The Clippers were like, this is the kind of player that you want to get if you can get for the minimum and the jazz with Batum this year would have won a title. <laughs> so 
Yeah, it is what it is. But I think, you know, use that taxpayer's MLE and see if you can draw him away from the Clippers. I think he stays with the Clippers unless the injury news on Kawhi is that he's out for the season. Because I think Batum wants to win a title, too. So I think that he'll, you know, he might be willing to leave. But that depends on what Kawhi's health is, and we still don't know. Well, and I I also don't know if Batum is re-signing for the minimum or if he's going to go somewhere else. I don't think that he's... He's not signing for the minimum, but I think that he would re-sign for, like, the raise that the Clippers can give him or for, like, I think the mini-MLE, if it's a team that can can compete, like the Jazz, where he gets to play with a close friend, I think he would consider that if he's willing to leave the Clippers. But they'll have to use the, Honest, the taxpayer's honestly, MLE. Honestly, that would be a great play. That would be a great move. $4.7 million for him? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm down 100%. I'd rather do that with than what, what we paid favors. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah that i mean yeah he could be your backup center i wouldn't i wouldn't be mad at that either uh, yeah. it gives us a different look different style anyways well i mean this has been really fun and it's allowed me to get some stuff off my chest that has just been floating around in my head for a while um since we haven't been yeah doing the podcast. We'll see if anybody actually is willing to listen to this once it's edited and with with the noise but uh thanks again for right. uh, hey everybody who does uh, take a listen for joining us on Hitting the High Notes. Bye. All right. Bye.